What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to another edition of the Jet Nation Live podcast. I am your host, Dylan Terman. As you can see, uh, Glenn Naughton is not with us. Um, he has a bit of a scheduling change with work. He's going to be out for a couple weeks, so subbing in in his place. Chris Schubert of the Draft Network. Uh, you've seen him on the Friday shows with Glenn plenty of times, so Chris and I have interacted in person on Twitter on this show multiple times. So it's going to be good, good communication across the board. Chris, thanks for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Happy to fill in for Glenn. It should be a lot of fun. We were chatting in the pre-show and I won't give too much away of what we we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited. It should be a lot of fun. Should have some great conversation. And listen, we're getting closer, right? This is kind of that lull right now in which there's not a lot going on in the NFL world, but we're getting closer and closer to that Hall of Fame game, and that's when it kind of sets in for me, and that's when it becomes real uh, that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for the New York Jets, and we have what should be a very, very exciting season. Every game's going to matter. Every week's going to be a big deal, and so I'm looking forward to it. So we're just counting down the days. Yeah, and I'm glad you teased it right off the bat there. We, we do have summer content coming. Um, I was going to put it in the intro, but I didn't think it was, but you teased it. So I have to mention it. We do have surprise content. Surprise. We don't, we don't give too much away. Sure. But between 4th of July and the Hall of Fame great game that Chris just mentioned on August 3rd, you're going to want to stay tuned to the Jet Nation YouTube channel. We're going to break down every single player on the roster leading up to the to the preseason game. So it's going to be really exciting. Glenn and I had it all pretty much planned out, but we're subbing in Chris and it's going to work just fine. So happy to have Chris. We have a ton of news. It's kind of weird. The Jets don't practice for a week because Salah gives them off, which is cool. And you still have news, negative and kind of positive, I guess. The first one is that they sign Adrian Amos. We'll get into the whys. But for now, Adrian Amos comes over from the Green Bay Packers. The sixth one this offseason to come from the Green Bay Packers. He comes over on a four-year, uh, excuse me, one-year, $4 million deal. And he's 30 years old, entering his ninth season. He was a fifth-round draft pick of the Bears in 2015. Coincidentally enough, I believe it was Rich Samini tweeted that the Brandon Marshall trade, when we traded for Brandon Marshall, that pick went on to be Adrian Amos in the draft. So pretty cool how it comes full circle. Um, his contract details, he only has a 2.65 cap charge for 2023 with a base of 1.75. This is per field Yates of ESPN. So a really mild, a mild deal, excuse me, with some incentives, 2.25 million to be earned. We don't know exactly what that is for. Right now that leaves the Jets with $22.1 million in cap space, fifth in the NFL. So they still have a ton of room to do some maneuvering. Unfortunately, we get into the why it happened. And it was because Chuck Clark, is believed to tear his ACL on the final day of practice, voluntary practice for the Jets. It's it's really shitty. Just I have no other word but shitty to explain it. Chuck Clark came over from Baltimore. They used a future seventh round pick to acquire him. They seemed to have a role for him. He was projected as a starter, in my opinion. Goes down with an ACL, believed ACL. He's getting a second opinion, but he hasn't missed a snap dating back to 2021, which is, again, shitty. It's unfortunate for him. So they did have to pivot to Adrian Amos. So right off the bat, before we get into the details on Amos, how do you feel about the pivot from Amos after they lose Chuck Clark? Well, it was a, it was a wild ride of emotions because uh, you originally see the news that they're signing Adrian Amos and everyone's like, wow, what a great, what a great addition to this safety room. We've got Chuck Clark, you've got Whitehead. Now you're adding Adrian Amos. You're starting to build out some depth here. It's one of the mm -hmm. positions that I think depth needed to be addressed on this defense. So you're feeling really good, feeling great about this. 
And then you find out why they made the move. And that's because Chuck Clark tore his ACL more than likely and is going to have to miss the entirety of the season. Then all of a sudden, everything I just said about the depth just completely goes away and it's non-existent. You don't feel as good about it. Uh, but it, it shows two things, right? I, I, the proactivity of this regime has always been something that we've seen. We've seen them be proactive when need to be and be reactive when they've needed to be uh, to certain things. And this is just another example of that of, hey, this is a team that we're going all in on. This is a team that we expect to do great things here in 2023. We can't allow an injury during OTAs to stop us from fielding a competitive group out there in the safety department. So we're going to go out and get a veteran, a leader. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers vouched for Adrian Amos as a player that would fit into what they're trying to do there uh, in, in, in the New York locker room. And so from that perspective, you got to love it. You hate the reason why, and you hate that Adrian Amos can't be more of a depth piece and now is going to have to be thrust into a starting role. But this is a solid veteran player who's been reliable his career. Um, and you know, you, you like it from that front. You hate it for Chuck Clark. You hate it for a guy who's been relatively healthy. You knew the jets loved him. They jumped in front of everybody because Chuck Clark was more than likely going to be released from the Baltimore Ravens. The jets jumped in front of everybody to trade a future seventh round pick just to have the opportunity to get him into their building. Uh, they thought very highly of him and they thought he was going to have a major role for them. And so that part of it sucks, but I, I like the reactive nature of going out and, and filling the need. And Again, it's still a concern. That room is still a concern for me going into the 2023 season. But I, I like that they were they were reactive and they made a move to, to to fill a need that arose here during OTAs. Yeah, and just for reference, Chuck Clark is 27 and Adrian Amos is 30. So you're not only losing upside, but you're losing age as well. And I feel like they still have a long-term plan for Chuck Clark. So even if he does miss the entire season, I think they're going to, you know, try their best to retain him and bring him back for next season. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's funny that you mentioned proactive versus reactive, because this move is kind of a bit of both before the news got out that Chuck Clark was hurt. They immediately pivoted and were like, no, we're going to get Amos because you know, the second that the jets do say that they have a major injury to a starting player in the secondary names are going to be floated out there and teams are going to have sudden interest. And so I'm glad that they were able to get on top of it. And you mentioned it was probably Aaron Rodgers approved. He did mention on his Instagram story, he welcomed smash to New York. So it was kind of funny that it seems like Aaron Rodgers probably has say in every Packer player that they bring in at this point. It's just a matter of how much say, because there are other names that we'll get into at the safety position still available. But I have a couple of stats here just to break down Adrian Amos is who he is. As a player, um, 2020 and 2021 are obviously um, his better years. 2022, he literally fell off a cliff, a career low 53.4 defensive grade from PFF after posting a 89.9 in 2020 and I believe a 73.4 in 2021. So just on a steady decline the last two years, which isn't good for an aging player, like I said, 30 years old. Um, Last year, he played 977 total snaps for the Green Bay Packers. 443 came at free safety, 370 came at box safety. So you kind of see the versatility split basically in half, maybe 60-40, and then he has a 140 in the slot. So they're using him in a versatile way, and I think that's what they wanted to do with Chuck Clark. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that Adrian Amos is the type of player that they brought in. He has free safety ability, but strong safety is probably his best position and they like to have those types with the ability to play on the back end and I think that that's what Amos gives you at the moment he he does have 10 career interceptions uh six career sacks and 516 solo tackles do with that what you will over nine uh seasons in the NFL but with Chicago and Green Bay tackling never seemed to be his issue 
and maybe back-end coverage is the issue. I heard on another podcast that perhaps not having a pass rush affected him in 2022 compared to the years that the Packers were winning 13, mm-hmm. 14 games in the NFC North and you know just dominating the competition with good pass rush up front as well. But tackling, a positive stat, eight missed tackles in 2022 – Compared to the starters last season for the New York Jets, Jordan Whitehead and LaMarcus Joyner, Whitehead had 17 400, missed 400 combined between the two of them missed tackles. I had, I I had to check the math three okay. times to make sure it wasn't 400, but it seemed It felt way. like 400. felt like Absolutely. watching all those games. Absolutely. It was 17 for Whitehead and nine for LaMarcus Joyner. So you look at that as a pure number it's okay yes whitehead had a lot joiner had one more than him but when you look at the percentage the rate of missed tackle uh amos 7.8 whitehead 15.6 and joiner 14.5 so he's you know half as much missed tackles obviously it seemed like the jet safeties had more opportunities to make these tackles but adrian amos was making those tackles when he needed to for the packers now on the negative side the pass coverage side Completion percentage against last season, 75. Our, our safeties, Whitehead, Joiner, respectively, 64.7, uh, Joiner, 71.4. So it's a tick higher than what they were doing in coverage. And passer rating against, this is a bigger discrepancy, 123.8 for Amos. And Whitehead, 85.8, Joiner, 106.1. I know that's a lot of numbers, but on the surface, to me, it says Amos would be best used as a strong safety. Not a free safety, but it seems like he's going to have to play free safety unless they genuinely have enough confidence in Tony Adams that he's going to be the free safety and you're going to kind of interchange Whitehead and Amos as your your box safety. So just hearing all those stats, what do you think about Amos's usage and what they can do with him to supplement what Chuck Clark was going to do? You're not going to get a perfect player at this stage of the process. And I think that's my important takeaway from everything that you just threw at all of us. And I didn't see these numbers ahead of time doing the show. So this is my natural reaction to everything that you just Mm -hmm. gave me. But at this stage of the process, it's June 15th. You're not going to get a perfect player. You're not going to get a Pro Bowl talent. You're going to have, there's going to be every player that you bring in at this stage is going to have some type of warped about their game, whether it's age, whether it's injury profile, whether it's inconsistency, whether it's, the, the the stats falling off a cliff late in their career. I mean, there's all sorts of different factors. There are, is a reason why a player is still a free agent this late into the process. And so when Chuck Clark goes down, the Jets have to pivot and find a player that can best fill what they wanted Chuck Clark to do and also can best fill what this team needs. And I think Adrian Amos fills that role. Is he a perfect player? No. If he was a perfect player, he would have been signed on the first day of free agency with all the other contracts that have been given out. It's the reason why he got a one-year deal. It's the reason why a 30-year-old safety is still available at this stage of the process. And that's okay. I think you just have to set realistic expectations of what he is going to be. It is going to be interesting to see the way this safety group pans out. But I will say this to anybody that's listening to the show that's worried, kind of like I am, about the safety group in 2023. If Jordan Whitehead is the player that he was in Tampa and not the player that he was the first year that he is in New York, I don't know if we're having a similar conversation. I think we'll feel a lot better. And so maybe it takes Jordan Whitehead a year to kind of, you know, fill into the role that he's going to be playing in New York to fill into the way that what this defense is going to ask of him. And I wonder if he's not going to be a better player here in 2023 than he was in 2022 and be the version of the guy the Jets gave all that cash to. So that's the big thing that you have to hang your hat on. And clearly by the fact that the Jets didn't draft the safety very high. The fact that they didn't spend a ton of money in free agency on a safety. The fact that Chuck Clark was their big splash at that position. They felt pretty comfortable that Jordan Whitehead was going to be go back 
go back to being the player that they went out and recruited and signed in free agency. Now, you may disagree with that interpretation of events. That's clearly how they felt based on what they did. So for me, listen, you you, you view Amos as a Chuck Clark replacement. On the surface, it feels pretty good. It's not going to be a perfect player. And this entire safety group is riding on um, Whitehead stepping up and being the player that the Jets recruited uh, in free agency a couple years ago. Yeah, exactly. And Jordan Whitehead, I said it in the beginning of the offseason, if you're going to overhaul the safety position, you can get rid of Jordan Whitehead. But other than that, you have really no reason to. I know it was a down year for him, but I think Chuck Clark was an obvious upgrade over LaMarcus Joyner. I think, obviously, Adrian Amos is still an upgrade over LaMarcus Joyner, how much of an upgrade we will see. But that's also going to play a factor into Jordan Whitehead playing better as well as it being year two in the defense. So I agree. I am. I'm sorry. What they you know? They also love Tony Adams and Ashton Davis, right? I mean, right. those guys are have just been around forever, so they still yeah. love those guys. I mean, those There's guys are no still way. Part of the depth chart. I, I mean, I don't know what Ashton Davis has on anybody in that front office, but he's. I don't know he's how he's still on the around. team either, but he's still there. So they clearly Special like teams. Him. Brant Boyer, right. if he has his one guy, I feel like it's not like a kicker, puncher, long snapper guy. I feel like it's Ashton Davis because he's on every special teams or majority, like 70, 80% of special teams reps. And, you know, when he comes in the game, he intercepts passes. It's kind of the weirdest thing. It's kind of his brand. That's what he does. Tony Adams, if Tony Adams can even be, you know, slightly better than what LaMarcus Joyner was last year you might not even have a reason to play Adrian Amos a ton of snaps. So I think it's a projection in the entire room at safety. But yeah, I believe Whitehead is going to be a little bit better. And you do have the upgrade over Joiner, So it could amount to being a better safety room. But when you have the cornerback trio that the Jets have, and you have probably a top 15 corner overall at, at all three of your starting positions, because I could consider... Michael Carter, probably top 20, top 15 corner overall, just based on what he does. I feel like he's so underrated and not talked about. So all of that's going to play a factor into the secondary. Plus, and the I mean, that, that's, that's that was where I was, I was yeah. going to say, that's where I was going next. I just put out an article about Will McDonald and basically an aggregate of what people were saying from uh, practice. And they went over the, the get off drill and Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson were the captains picked by uh, D-line coach Aaron Whitecotton. And Jermaine Johnson had the first pick of the competition and he picked Will McDonald and his first assignment was one-on-one against Carl Lawson. And he beat him to the, the dummy quarterback on his side before Carl Lawson did. And I know Carl Lawson doesn't have the best get off on the jets. Bryce Huff probably has that, but Mm -hmm. he wasn't available to go up against And Will McDonald, the ball hit the ground before Carl hit his ball. So he was a step and a half faster than Carl Lawson. So I'm very excited about Will McDonald. I know the intrigue around the pick and it wasn't the guy that the Jets had on the the, the docket until the trade clearly happened. Not true. If you watched one Jets drive, clearly not Exa- true. Exactly. They debunked that very quickly. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for the pass rush. And I think it's only going to help out the back end. A good positive stat though about Amos. And it was kind of coinciding with Chuck Clark. Um, Chuck Clark did have the streak of 1200 snaps played. Amos has an even more impressive one. He has started and finished 82 regular season games over the last five years. He's owned all 82 games, excuse me, only one of four defensive players in the entire league to do it. He's only ever missed four games in his career. So availability is certainly his best uh, ability. And at 30 years old, your safety available in June, almost July here. This this what you got to bring is stability and at least a steadying force on the back end. So if nothing else, hopefully he can be healthy and a veteran presence for us on the back end. 
those are the two boxes that you're looking to check. And I think they did that with this sign. So again, expecting it to be anything more than that, I think it would be a little foolish. I think Adrian Amos is a solid depth piece for this team at a position that they desperately needed depth after what happened with Chuck Clark. Yeah, and, and we have weeks to get into it. But the, the overall safety room going from Chuck Clark to Adrian Amos does take a hit. It's oh, yes. slight, but I was very high on Chuck Clark to begin with his versatility. And just I like players that come from winning franchises like Baltimore, even like, you know, New England to a degree. There's certain players that get plucked from there that don't foil in new systems. But, mm-hmm. you know, just winning teams, it's nice to pick off from them. Philadelphia is another one that Joe Douglas likes. So I'm excited, even though Chuck Clark is gone, that Adrian Amos is in. And that's going to take us to our next segment. Kind of a, a fun segment, but it's going to get into, you know, some of the names that are still available out there. We're going to do a would you rather style of free agency. Obviously, they just signed Amos, but that was a need. These are more of like, let's go fill holes that we see before camp. Maybe the the coaches go back into the film room. They go over all the film from OTAs and then the voluntary stuff. And they say, well, we're kind of weak here. Let's explore this. So we have just a couple rounds of, of would you rather The first one kind of blends from Chuck Clark, his availability or his usage rather. I thought he was going to play in the box, maybe as that Quan Alexander replacement. And I felt like for a long time, Quan Alexander, despite everybody wanting him to be signed, myself included, I think we need to back off a little bit. But now that Chuck Clark is hurt, do we entertain that again? So my first one here, would you rather Chuck Clark or Quan Alexander or John Johnson? Would you rather fill the need with another safety or would you rather just go after the linebacker Quan Alexander and and not have these three safeties kind four safeties really rotating around when we can just have Quan as our third linebacker who would you prefer yeah I still think the biggest weakness on the Jets defense is linebacker uh, I, I thought it was going into the offseason I thought it was going into the draft and I still think it is even after the injury to Chuck Clark and the signing of Adrian Amos so for me it would be Quan Alexander because I just think it is still uh, the position of need that the Jets have and it is the position of weakness on this defense. Uh, C.J. Mosley, as someone still has to explain to me how he was a pro bowler last year, should have gotten his pro bowl status revoked when he jumped off sides against the Bills. Just that alone doesn't make you a pro bowler in my opinion, and I don't think he had a great year. Quincy Williams is very boomer bust. When he's on, it's it's electric. You can feel it. You can feel the energy that he provides to the defense, but he'll go through phases where he's non-existent out there and he's, and he's an active deterrent to the defense. And so for me, I think they need a stabilizing presence. And I thought Quan brought that stabilizing presence to that defense and to that linebacking core last year. And so for me, it would be Quan just because I still think that is the group that is the weakest link on this defense. Yeah, I agree. It's Quan Alexander. Um, not that four safeties would be bad. John Johnson's a great said, player. John Johnson's a good we, player and would love yeah. to have him. but linebackers are a bigger need right now. And going back to what you said, the first second we knew Amos was signed. Oh, wow. We're too deep on both safeties now. Like, that'd be great. So I understand the John Johnson need or the the, the fascination with John Johnson. But my answer is Quan Alexander, too. You mentioned it, C.J. Mosley. He was a pro bowler. And Sally even said he wasn't um, – his name wasn't in contention in the top five until it got to the active player and coaches' votes of the process. So I, I understand that they – something we don't that's a legacy pick that's us dj mosley's been a great linebacker for years let's get him in there because his play in 2022 didn't was not pro bowl worthy i'm sorry i i i I want i want cj to work out here and i want him to have a great season but he was not good last year he was just not yeah and i think um if if he hadn't 
played to a, enough of a level like this, obviously it would just be a throwaway, give him a Pro Bowl. But, like, you know, he did play okay. And what he did in the past when the Jets were absolute dog shit, like, he he, he kind of deserves one. I, I get it's a legacy, but it's no, kind of like uh, a We're not giving out payback. legacy Pro Bowl awards. We're right. not doing it. Now that contracts are involved and natural Pro Bowl selections do account for, you know, especially rookie wage scale, I think that that is certainly something to be taken into account. So I agree with you there. Uh, Quincy Williams. Options. Right, exactly. And if, like, say every Bills player voted for Makai Becton to get his Pro Bowl vote just so he could get that next tier of fifth-year option to force it on the Jets. Obviously, he didn't play, but I'm just using him as an example. Like, they could do that. And so it's kind of a, a weird gray loophole area to to wrap around but yeah i think Quan is the guy that i would pick quincy you know i'm not really in love with quincy i thought the money they gave him was a little high for me uh kind of a, a generous hey quinnon's your brother and we really want to get him signed so we're going to also make you happy not saying it takes away from quinnon's money but i think they wanted to make both of them happy and he's just too up and down and i think zaire barnes is of the same mold of like kind of good and just plays with his hair on fire but has a lot of deficiencies in the pass coverage area of his game. So Quan is kind of that guy, that stabilizing force like Adrian Amos is on the safety like we just talked about. I feel like we might see a lot of Zaire Barnes this year. I'm yeah. starting to get the feeling that he might rotate in pretty often. Yeah, and I'm not going to like, you know, put the cart before the horse and be like, oh, Salah's got this. He's a former linebacker coach that groomed Fred Warner. But I'm not going to even entertain that. But if you could even get a 10th, of uh, Fred out, uh, Fred Warner out of Zaire Barnes, then yeah. that's a win. I mean, we'll take that as a win on a exactly. Draft and you know, yeah. if he's our third best linebacker at the end of the season, and they never went and got Quan Alexander, and he's not a wart in the defense when they go into base four three, cool. You know that that's that's right. cool. And they did play him a lot at slot in college, which is kind of funny because you see Isaiah Simmons is going to play slot corner under Jonathan Gannon's defense in Arizona, and it's like is he like an Isaiah Simmons type? And like, you don't want to go down that road either because then nope. you're not, you're putting triangle holes or squares and all these different types of holes that you don't want to do it. So, it hasn't worked for Arizona either. So. Exactly. And I don't think it's going to work for him, but we digress. Zyder Barnes could have a major role in the defense. The next, would you rather? And and we talked pre-show about this one. We can, I know uh, this one. I have my answer for this one already. We ready. can make this one short and sweet. Zeke or Kareem Hunt? Neither, neither, neither. <laughs> Skip the running back position. The New York Jets do not need another running back. They have Brees Hall. They have Izzy Abandikanda. They have Michael Carter. They have Bam Knight. They are four running backs deep in this build, in this building, in that room. No, thank you. No Zeke, no Kareem Hunt. No, no, no. Stop adding to this room. You used a fifth round draft pick on a guy that I, I don't know what kind of role he's going to have in year one because Brees Hall apparently is going to be ready to go for week one, and you still have Michael Carter, and Zonovan Knight was pretty good for you last year. No, I, no, 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 I, no, no. I, I joined your um, prospects and props show with Jamie a little bit late, and I know you were talking about sleeper running backs, and I don't know if you talked about Izzy Abanik. No, we're not allowed but... to. We're actually not allowed to on the show. I've gone on multiple um, – angry rants about the oh, Jets negative rants. Fifth round okay. pick on Izzy Abandacanda. So I'm actually banned from bringing him up. Um, I'm only allowed to talk about him if Jamie brings Izzy Abandacanda up. But I have said that if the Jets, because there's a rumor floating around that they might be interested in Dalvin Cook, I have promised the listeners of that show that if Dalvin Cook signs with the Jets, they are getting an absolute just all-timer rant from me about the New York Jets using a pick on a guy that's probably going to be their fifth running back next season. 
Yes, I think if you do go down the route of Dalvin Cook to the Jets, Izzy Abanacanda absolutely gets buried unless they make a surprise move and move Michael Carter. He's still RB3 then. Right, and it's not making the case for it anymore, but that's funny that you said Izzy Abanacanda is barred from conversation on the show. I'm not allowed to bring him up. Because over on this show, Glenn and I had nothing but praise for the pick. No, 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 I like the player. Let me just just clear I like the player. Yes. The pick makes no sense. Yeah. It's so many other needs that they had when they had that made that selection. Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, that was probably the case for every single one of their picks this year, whereas last year you could reconcile with like, okay, yeah, that was a top two or three need at the time. This year it was more like pick and choose. We're just going to kind of just fill holes where we see uh, fit. So I agree. I don't really like either of these, but with the third one, and I know we're going to get into it a little bit here, We do have another running back on the docket. He is going up against a wide receiver. These are the biggest names on the market now. Dalvin Cook versus DeAndre Hopkins. Clearly, I think everybody here knows where you're going. So we're going to let you say your piece before I give my my stats and potentially a useless argument on why I want that. Did you not just hear everything I just said about (laughs) why they shouldn't sign a running back? So you're not going to hear me say that they should get Dalvin Cook. No, it should be DeAndre Hopkins. Um, They were interested in adding a wide receiver uh, even um, even with Corey Davis still on the roster, even with Miko mm-hmm. Hardman signed, even with Alan Lazard in the building already, they were uh, talking to and had an opportunity to match the contract for Odell Beckham Jr. They were down that road with him. And so to me, I don't think you do that if you're totally content with your room. And I know they've talked about now they're they're fine with the room and Corey's not going anywhere. I don't know. I think if an opportunity presented itself to where if DeAndre Hopkins wanted to play with the New York Jets and wanted to play with Aaron Rodgers, the New York Jets would absolutely entertain that possibility. Because if you got Garrett Wilson, You've got DeAndre Hopkins as your wide receiver two, and Alan Lazard's your wide receiver three, and you've got Michael Hardman, and you still got Corey Davis. It's a pretty deep wide receiver group. It's one of the better deep and deep deepest wide receiver groups in all of football. And so for me, they could use another wide receiver. They don't need another running back. If they go in with this wide receiver group in twenty twenty three, fine. I still think it's a very good group, and I think they'll be fine. But it could it, it could need it, it could use another player, and I think DeAndre Hopkins could be that player. So yeah, this is a no brainer for me. It's DeAndre Hopkins. The last statement of that entire piece is what I'll use to springboard into my advocation for Dalvin Cook. You said if we go into the season with the current wide receiver room, we would be okay. And I agree. I think we would be okay. And I I don't know how true Corey Davis being on the team is if they did add an OBJ or a DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like the money that he's owed, unless he's going to do the Jamison Crowder and take half the money and then possible incentives to stay. I think he's kind of gone if you made an addition. So similarly to Dalvin Cook, if you're going to make the addition of Cook, somebody's probably going to leave the room. Carter, Bam, uh, you're not getting rid of Izzy, but somebody's probably going to leave that room. So I just look at it as I want the player who I believe more in that could be a steadying force for the Jets in the beginning and the end of the season. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins does last the whole season and he's good throughout. But Dalvin Cook's going to give you a ton of production when Brees is not 100%. I am a firm believer that don't play him a lot in week one. Just ease him back. Even mm-hmm. if you like the guys in-house, use those guys. But if you have a Dalvin Cook, there you go. There's your bell cow. And even at the end of the season, in those cold weather months, when you want to rely on your run game and your defense, that's what the Jets are going to want to you know, d- d- rely on. Put their backs up against the wall. Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, these guys are going to get get you out of the jam, as well as Aaron Rodgers. Like, obviously, that's not, you know, that shouldn't 
even need to be said at this point. But if you had Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall in the backfield, I think that's way better than D-Hop, Garrett, and Lazard. And I understand there's an argument to be made for that trio of wide receivers. That would probably make you a top five unit in the NFL at wide receiver, especially if you were able to keep Corey Davis. But Brees and Dalvin, you're probably looking at like a top one running back room so I understand that there's you know nuance to all of it but Dalvin Cook's my guy four years uh 1,000 plus yards coming off a shoulder injury where he was basically playing with one arm so everybody's heard me say it on this podcast I love that Dwayne Brown played with one arm last year and he's probably only going to be better this year at left tackle I feel like people are kind of questionable about him I'm not I think he's only going to be better than what he was last year he has his deficiencies don't get me wrong Dalvin Cook, same thing. He's going to be better than what he was last year because now he has two arms. So that's kind of my thinking, but I'm not as opposed, and I'm not saying don't ever sign DeAndre, but if you had the chance and only one, I think I would lean for Dalvin Cook. Yeah, uh, 1,100 yards each of the last two seasons on the ground, so he's still been a productive player. Right. Um, and so it's not like you're getting a guy that we that I think is close to falling off the cliff. I think you probably still have one or two more good years in him. Um, so if I was going to make the case for Dalvin Cook, that would be the case that I would make. Is the guy mm-hmm. has still been incredibly productive each of the last two seasons? It doesn't look like he's hit that running black uh, running back plateau that we've seen in recent years, where you hit a certain age or you hit a certain number of carries, and your and your production kind of falls off a cliff. Um, he's been one of the more productive uh, running backs in all of football. And again, 1,100 yards each of the last two seasons. Um, you know, I see he's still a productive player. Just to me, the moment you do that, it, the easy Amanda Canna pick continues to make less and less sense. And that yes. would be the frustration that I would have with it. Now, it, does Dalvin Cook make the Jets a better football team? Absolutely. Um, and, and so that would, you know, I would, I wouldn't, I, I would concede that point that Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. makes them a better team if they signed him. Just to me, it would just reemphasize the what are we doing with picking Izzy Abanacana in the fifth round? Like we, we could have done 47 other things. Yeah. And and to be honest, I think all six of the names that we mentioned, whether we like them or not, would make the Jets a better team. It's just dependent on how much all the variables fall into place. And like I said, I don't think there's a way you get both. So if you could only get one, who would you rather? And I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I don't put a ton of stock into the negative practice player that he could potentially be because we can't prove that sitting here you know, way far away from the team. We don't have that inside source, but I don't know. I just, I feel a little weary about it. He has missed the time for the, the suspension. So he is getting up there and did he hit the wide receiver plateau? When you watch his film, it doesn't really look like it. He's kind of doing some special stuff, but it is interesting that both these names are out there. Uh, Miami's been linked to Dalvin Cook and I hope that, you know, they don't land him. Although it seems like that's kind of his landing spot. He's a Florida native And DeAndre Hopkins, despite all the elite quarterback talk, um, he's taken visits with teams led by Ryan Tannehill slash Will Levis slash Malik Willis and teams led by McCorkle Jones. So I don't know what we're doing here. Maybe that's maybe that's not at all what he meant by elite quarterbacks. Maybe he just meant (laughs) money. He gave out a list. I don't think McCorkle or Ryan Tannehill were on the list, but he gave out a list. Absolutely not. And maybe he is just chasing that one final paycheck and not saying that that's true or not. But if that is believed to be the case by the Jets, I could completely understand the standoffish nature as far as that, you know, contracts going. Um, Chris, anything else before we get out of here? Um, I, I want to let you plug your show and everything you're doing with Jamie over at TDN first. Oh. 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I've got two shows that I'm working on right now. Currently, I've got TDN Daily, which is every day uh, live on our YouTube channel. Right now, we're going through our positional rankings. And so I have taken on the task of ranking all 32 teams position groups at every single position. Uh, and it's been a it has been a wild roller coaster ride to rank these teams and to see how I feel about them. It has caused so much debate and turmoil each and every day in the YouTube chat. I'm sure you've been able to see it. Uh, corners are next up. We're doing that tomorrow. Uh, and you can go back and listen to any of the other ones that I've done where you see where you hear my thought process. And uh, I let the chat influence me and we make some changes to the list. So we've been working on that. And then over on prospects and props, myself and Jamie Eisner, we cover exactly what the title says. We cover prospects. Uh, we cover props that'll get uh, more in depth once that once the season begins. And right now we're doing our fantasy football projections. Jamie does all sorts of projections for fantasy football. So we're going through that uh, the next couple of weeks on the show. Next week is wide receivers week on the show we're actually recording some of those episodes ahead of time right now so we're getting into that as well so if you're if you're doing some fantasy football research we've got a great backlog of content for you there and some other stuff coming up over the next couple of weeks and again like i said over on tdn daily we're ranking all 32 teams in the national football league position by position so it's been a lot of fun i have a feeling i i've kind of dabbled in fantasy the last couple of years i've been kind of weaning off it but i still keep up with it and i feel like this year there's going to be a lot more jets picked in the top five rounds than ever before at least in likely. the last five years so it's yeah. really exciting to see that from a fantasy perspective that people are at least hopeful and willing to you know take the chance on these jets and uh i, I like that you're doing the position rankings because like we said at the top it's kind of going to Ease I'm glad right somebody is what we're doing because I'm not. It's it's stressful. I'm oh, working on the corner list for tomorrow. It's very stressful. Well, we don't need to stress about who number one is. Hopefully, uh, number one's locked in. Number one's locked in. We'll we'll have to tune in tomorrow. But I think he wears jewelry that might say his name on it. Um, it I, I don't want to give it away, but <laughs> exactly, you'll have to won't tune be surprised in. On, who number one is? You'll have to tune in on YouTube. But we're we're really excited to have Chris again for the summer. The summer of Schubert. We're going to call it on Jet Nation YouTube. Oh. And, and we'll be back with you guys next week, next Thursday. And unless we get some kind of crazy news, we'll be kind of sticking to this 35, 45-minute um, portion until we get into these positional rankings and roster rankings like we're going to do. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight. And let's go, Jets.